What is going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm Daniel Guevara, and you know I'm always with Mr. Lupe Ramirez. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the schedules that have finally been released by uh, the AIA. So we're going to dive into our 2A and 3A teams today. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode as we got to sit down with Connor Moe of ALA Ironwood and now a commit to Ottawa University. So it was great to uh, touch base with him before he uh, heads off to Ottawa uh, later this year. But before we dive into these schedules, how's everything been going for you, brother? Not bad. Can't complain. It's nice to be back down here in Tucson. I mean, it's, we've been pretty busy. If, if you think about it, we're just about two weeks removed from broadcasting the GC3 Summer Invitational out at Post and Butte. And, and, it, and it was a great opportunity for us to get a view of, of 40 different teams from all around the state and even outside the state. Mm-hmm. And again, thanks to, to GC3, George Courtney himself, for, for allowing us to be there and, and just share that moment with him and everybody in that building. And there was a lot of people in that building. So it was a very successful event in my eyes. I would definitely say that. Um, but let's talk about what, we, what we're here to talk about today football it, it, it's the summertime but that's the one thing that's lingering on our minds mm-hmm. you know every day in in this heat is football because we know that it's coming up and and we actually got to go out to the coolidge seven on seven and big man tournament where we got a good insight to a few of these teams that we're going to be talking about today Most so why definitely. don't you give us a little bit of input of what you saw out there at the event at coolidge high school Oh, you know, we got to uh, see uh, teams like uh, Desert Sunrise, which is going to be a a new 4A team here in Pinal County. Uh, Got to see uh, the new coach for uh, ALA Ironwood, um, as well as seeing uh, the new 2A team, uh, ALA Anthem South. And I thought overall it was a really good event. Uh, You know, it's not your typical uh, 7-on-7 event where teams will face off head-to-head for about 20, 30 minutes, and then they kind of rotate and play other teams. So you got to see... uh, defenses uh play uh 12 snaps and then they would kind of rotate uh offenses in uh depending on who was playing at the time i thought one of the funnest parts you know i've never got to see this at a seven on seven event is because these guys always get put somewhere in the corner and so like i never kind of get to acknowledge them or get a little visual of what's going on over there and that's the big man one versus one over there so we got to see some great uh linemen you know not only from coolidge but a LA Ironwood and as well as uh, Santa Cruz they, they definitely got some talent and then we got um, we got to see uh, Globe travel down but I thought overall it was a great experience you know a lot of a lot of great sportsmanship of course you're gonna get the the little jabs at uh, that teams throw at each other but it was all in good fun and you know so I'm I was really happy uh, with with what coach uh, Shanks put together for that event was there anybody that you saw that kind of caught your eye and said, you know what, this is a kid we definitely got to keep our eye on coming into the season? Yeah, it, it was a huge surprise to see Vinny Sanchez on the side of uh, Desert Sunrise. But it's also it, it was it was a good surprise because there's a lot of talent because I, I, let's be honest, after the the dismissal, let's just be frank, the dismissal of of Coach Donnie, a lot of those players, they felt like he was and he definitely was the heart and soul of that team and what kept those boys together. So with him leaving, a lot of them felt the need to branch out and try out other opportunities. And mm-hmm. for Vinny, it's going to be at Desert Sunrise and he has a lot of offensive firepower around him. And that's another thing. And in the other quarterback that was with him, there was a lot of good, decent darts that were thrown. And 
Desert Sunrises, we're going to talk about them in the next episode, but they're definitely a school that I'm looking forward to. And, and let's talk about uh, the hometown team for us. Let's talk about the evolution of Matthew Makazan. The, oh, the kid was all over that field in the seven on seven event. And if you flash back two years, the kid that was on the line, a little heavier set, still making noise, though, mm-hmm. uh, still still a thorn in every offensive side. Especially across, at defensive end. Mm-hmm, making those tackles. Now look at him. So much thinner and 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 hit a growth spurt too. Kids a lot taller and he's just a menace. And the thing is, is like I never really got to see him on the offensive side and got to see his hands. But you got a lot of good video of him making these ridiculous and, and really good plays for for a kid that we never really expected that from. So that was definitely surprising for me. And then I got to give a good uh, thank you and a huge shout out to Coach Hanson from uh, Glow because his relationship to Coach Shanks is, what's out, is what actually brought him down. Mm-hmm. And for us to get a good view of, of how them Glow boys play, it'll give us a lot better insight for our 2A and 3A teams that will be taking the trip up there as well. Oh, without a doubt, you know, you hit uh, some of my key players as well. You know, I think even seeing uh, Andre Dukes, Mm -hmm. another kid that, you know, uh, has been part of uh, that force uh, when it comes to Coolidge's defense. But uh, another player who also slimmed up a little bit is looking to cement himself as a top tier uh, defensive end or defensive tackle, depending on where they put him. But how about even uh, Michael Villa, who is now transitioning from tackle to tight end. So it's something new uh, for the Bears. But also, uh, I was actually really impressed with how Santa Cruz uh, was playing. You know, we knew that they had a lot of pieces coming back this year. And, you know, now that they had one season under their belt under coach uh, Tommy Cortez, coming into this season, they're actually looking really improved and in sync like they got their chemistry down because not only at this seven on seven event but even uh at the uh, maricopa event which just happened uh i believe a couple days ago Mm -hmm. they actually went six and oh in that event so there's going to be some big things when it comes to the smaller schools here in pinal county and i think uh when you look at this 3a central that we'll get into it's pretty much up for anybody's grab, you know. Uh, but before we dive into that, why don't we start uh, with our two-way teams as we're going to go over ALA Anthem South's uh, schedule. So ALA Anthem South is going to be playing in the two-way black region. Uh, the teams in there will include Alchese, Globe, uh, team you just talked about, uh, Miami, Pima, which might be the early favorites just because of the successes that they had last year. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about a little bit about their team, St. Carlos and St. John's. So if you guys don't know already, ALA Anthem South had its first season last year, was supposed to be a 3A team, uh, but they canceled their varsity season and decided to just have a JV season. So coming into this year, they actually dropped down to 2A and now we'll have their first varsity season. So let's take a look at their schedule, and we'll kind of give a light prediction on where we see ALA Anthem South finishing up uh, come the end of the season. Okay. So uh, they're going to kick things off uh, at Globe. Then they'll be at home against Arte Prep. Then traveled uh, on the road the next two games. They'll be at Tanka Verde, at Catalina. Then home against Antelope and Alchese. Travel down to Pima. Then they'll be at home against San Carlos. And then after their bye, they will be at St. John's and then finally wrap up the season at home against Miami. What I like about this region outside of teams like Pima, who, you know, is a 2A powerhouse, they've made the playoffs multiple years, is that I think LA Anthem South's schedule has some possibilities 
of them picking up some wins this year. Definitely. Now, uh, looking over their schedule, how many wins do you see ALA Anthem South finishing up with? If I had to, uh, to take a good guess by looking at their schedule and getting an idea of a couple of the teams that we got to see, you know, from that 707, one of them being Globe, for me, I think that one's going to be a really good game of this for the the beginning of the season for both teams. But if I had to give the edge to somebody, I would have to give it to the Tigers just based off of the the lack of attention I've actually been paying to the Titans. And then and that's no disrespect to them, but you you spoke about their reclassification going from 3A to 2A. That's going to do a lot better for them and their competition. And I feel like, like you said, the Titans will have a lot better chances of winning. And looking at their schedule, I can say that they walk away with at least three wins. And now that I gave that number of three, what do you think? Do you think the chances of them getting three wins is higher or lower? And and if you could guess, what are the three teams that I guess that they could get those wins against? Um, I'd say uh, three would be a really good number for ALA Anthem South. Um, I would say they would be either at three or possibly a little bit lower. And that's just due to the experience of playing at the varsity level. Granted, I know that they had a JV season uh, last year. But at the same time, you know, when you uh, take it up a notch, you finally uh, play at the varsity level. It takes a little bit to uh, adjust to uh, the type of speed that they play at. Um, If I had to guess, uh, the three teams you probably were talking about would probably uh, be Catalina, Mm because that's one game that I would say uh, maybe San Carlos Mm -hmm. and possibly i'll just say no, probably, no. okay no. Who, who would the, the third team be then now that you say that i'll just say might actually be a, a dark horse fourth win that they could possibly get okay but i was thinking st john's okay okay I, I i could definitely see that one but at the same time uh you know if you look at st john's they're ranked 151 in the state mm-hmm. while ala anthem south of course they're going to be a lot lower just not having a varsity season last year they're at 192 and if i had to say probably Probably a third game. It could possibly be the Globe Tigers. Possibly, but uh, I think three. You you hit it right on the head. You know, it, it's a it's a good start. You know, of course, that's not saying you know that we have any discouragements uh, regarding ALA Anthem South. It's just an experience issue. Mm-hmm. And I think here in the coming years, if they can build on that, they get more kids out there to uh, build a lot of depth on their program. And it sits in a sweet spot. It the, does the right in between. Coolidge, Florence, and Santan Valley. So the the opportunity is there for them to get the players that are, you know, definitely around these towns. But it, it's just a matter of time. We talked about this with Chris Kidney about, you know, the opportunity for them to grow. Like, you know, don't sleep on the Titans because they're going to be a, a school to keep an eye on within the next few years. Just for our pre-predictions, which team do you think would have an edge of winning this region uh, after looking at uh, all these schedules and their rankings. So I'll, I'll go over it. LA Anthem South is 192. I'll just say is 187. Globe is 191. Miami is 158. You have Pima, who's 27. San Carlos is 219. And St. John's is 151. And before everybody kind of jumps and just automatically says Pima, remember, Pima was very senior heavy last year. They lost a lot of pieces, especially their three players who were all 6'4 or taller, Mm -hmm. you know, so they've lost a lot. Do you think that they will repeat and still continue their dominance or is there another team that you might uh, have your eye on? The team that I have my eye on that that is constantly... a big green question mark is Miami. Miami is a team that I feel like if they're going to give anybody 
If they're going to give Pima a challenge, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Miami. Okay. I could definitely respect that one. But let's move on into the two-way salt region. And that's going to feature uh, two of our teams. That's going to be Santa Cruz Valley and Sequoia Pathway. They'll also be joined in that region with Arte Prep, Chandler Prep, Heritage Academy, which is a, a, a team that we've gotten familiar with over uh, the last couple of years, NFL Yet, and Santan Charter. And so the rankings for these teams are Arte Prep is 201, Chandler Prep is 173, Heritage Academy is 153, NFL Yet is 213, Santan Charter is 128, Santa Cruz Valley is 172, and Sequoia Pathway is 146. So uh, while you let that kind of linger in your mind a little bit, let's dive into uh, Sequoia Pathway's schedule. They're actually going to be opening up the season on a bye. They'll be uh, having their bye week one, which is uh, a little unheard of, but you know what? They got to fill out the schedules, and so they'll get an extra week of rest and prepare for their opening game, which is going to be at Shadow Mountain. Then they're on the road again against Veritas Prep. Then they got three straight home games against Phoenix Christian, Chandler Prep, Arte Prep. Then they're at Santan Charter. They'll host Alchese and Santa Cruz Valley. And then their final two games is on the road at Heritage Academy and at NFL Yet. So with the successes of Sequoia Pathway, we also talked about a lot of the players that they lost. They'll have a a new coaching staff. Their head coach comes from Santan Charter. With all that you know about Sequoia Pathway, where do you see them sitting at uh, at the end of the season? If you look at the the rankings that are attached to them that you mentioned earlier. Sequoia Pathway is definitely in the running to be one of the contenders in this region based off those numbers alone. But you mentioned it earlier that they lost a lot of players and a lot of staff. So with that disbursement of players and staff, I don't see Sequoia Pathway being as successful as the rankings had pre-predicted them to be. This is a team that I could see maybe getting another three wins. Okay. And now that I said that again, do you think that uh, the chances of them getting three wins is higher or lower. And what are those three teams that you think that I, that I possibly picked? Oh, man, I think that three wins is probably right around where I have them at as well. I would say uh, their best chances would be NFL yet, Arte Prep, and probably I'll just say, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think Phoenix Christian is was in a rebuild last year. Uh, you know, Shadow Mountain and Veritas Prep are pretty decent teams. And then, like I said, uh, Santa Cruz Valley is a tough team this year in my eyes. But, yeah, those would be my three wins. If not, I think they might have a, a maybe less than three wins. Because, they're you know, if you look at it, they have six other teams in their region. So six out of their ten games are going to be within this region. And I think a team that is probably going to struggle worse than Sequoia Pathway would probably be NFL yet. So if my predictions are true, that means they're going to start, I'm predicting them to have five losses within their region alone. And then, like I said, you throw in um, Shadow Mountain, Veritas Prep, and Phoenix Christian into the mix, that's possibly eight losses right there. Mm-hmm. So... That, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say three uh, three wins, but I'm going to say, if not, lower than three wins. Gotcha. So let's go into the Santa Cruz Dust Devils. They are ranked 172. They also start off their season with a bye, but in their first game of competition, they play Trivium Prep at home. Then they go on the road to play Coolidge. Then they go back home to play Bisbee. 
another home game against RSA Prep. Then they hit the road to play NFL yet. Mm-hmm. After that, they play another road game at Heritage Academy, come back home for a game against Santan Charter, hit the road against Sequoia Pathway for their eighth game of the season, then Chandler Prep at home, and then their final game of the season is going to be a big one at Pima. So looking at that schedule... How many wins do you think that the Dust Devils are able to scrape by and pull in this season? You know what? They're, I'd say based on this schedule, I possibly see the Dust Devils with no less than six wins, but I'm going to go seven. Mm-hmm. Seven wins on the year. The teams that I think will probably give them the most trouble is going to be against Coolidge, against Santan Charter, Chandler Prep, and if I throw a fourth team in there, I'd say it'd be a really good game against uh, Heritage Academy. You know, I know that they lost to uh, Bisbee, I believe, last year, Mm -hmm. and so uh, that's always going to be a good game, but definitely Coolidge, Heritage Academy, and uh, Santan Charter are going to be three very tough games, And, and if you look at it, two of those games are region games, so those could be some big decisive wins or losses when it comes to who's going to be taking home the 2A Salt uh, Region Championship. And again, in the 2A, these region championships are crucial because the winners of the region move on in the playoffs. But what about you? You think that my predictions are a little bit high or was it not high enough? I'm going to go with seven. You think higher or lower than seven? No, I was kind of in that same realm as you. I was thinking either seven and three or six and four. The teams that you mentioned that would give them the most trouble, I feel the same way about. The only team that I feel like they'll actually have a definite advantage over would be against Arate Prep because Mm -hmm. when they play them at home, I feel like the Dust Devils are a different team, and and it shows in their in their past oh, games. Oh yeah, man, they got some of the best pregame uh, uh, intros, man, with that little fireworks going off, and you know the uh, uh, players coming out with their flags and everything like that. They definitely set the tone at home. But let's go into this rivalry game. So you got, well, I guess what's turning into a rivalry uh, between uh, Santa Cruz Valley and Sequoia Pathway. Last year's game finished 3-0 to zero in favor of Sequoia Pathway. They seem to always play each other very well, but we know that one team has a lot of weapons coming into uh, this year, that's Santa Cruz Valley and then Sequoia Pathway. How can Sequoia Pathway, depending on the pieces that they have, still make this a competitive uh, rivalry here in the 2A uh, Salt region? It's going to suck to say, but they got to hang on to that hate. They got to, if they want to continue this to be a rivalry game, they need to have that hunger within them to want to beat the Dust Devils. Because even at, at, at two teams worse, let's talk about Coolidge and Florence. Even if they're having really off, off bad years, when those two teams play each other, they want to give their best. And I think that's exactly what we're going to get when Santa Cruz and Sequoia Pathway play each other. I don't expect another three to zero game. I can definitely tell you that. And just remember that Santa Cruz holds the uh, overall record uh, as they've faced each other three times, Santa Cruz winning two of those times. But let's move on into our 3A region, which is going to be the 3A Central. So uh, if you guys don't know already, the 3A Central actually lost a team who moved up to 4A, which I think is going to be very beneficial to our four 3A teams. So Eastmark is no longer in 3A or the 3A Central as now they've made the jump up to 4A. 
But now the 3A Central consists of ALA Ironwood, who's ranked 152, Coolidge, who's ranked 136, Crisman, who is a new team uh, based out of Queen Creek, will be having their first varsity season this year, who's ranked 193. You got Florence, who's ranked 96, and Santan Foothills, who's ranked 100. But let's dive into uh, ALA Ironwood first. So this is a team right here who lost some key pieces on offense, lost some key pieces on defense, but they looked like they had a lot of depth, not only on their line, but uh, in their skilled positions as well, as we saw at the 7-on-7 uh, event in Coolidge. They're bringing in a new head coach. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, let's take a look at their schedule and we'll see uh, where we think they're going to be standing at the end of the season. They're going to open up uh, their first two games at home, but they got a very tough week one matchup against Marenzi, who has now made the jump up to 3A as well. Then they'll be taking on Douglas. Then they're at Gilbert Christian, back home against Sierra Linda, two road games against Coolidge and Benjamin Franklin. And remember, Benjamin Franklin is another team that Made the jump. Made the. They actually made the jump down, though. They went. They were at 4A, came back down to 3A. And then they'll play uh, Crisman at home. After their bye, they'll be at Tempe, home against Santan Foothills. And then they'll wrap up their season at Florence. So with all that we talked about, you know, new coach, some players uh, in key positions they lost. How do you think uh, this season will fare for ALA Ironwood? Well, I know originally we had this team going a little bit below 500 with all the things that you know they have lost and everything like that but actually getting a glimpse of them at the Coolidge 7 on 7 I feel like the Warriors actually have a little bit of pep in their step they're they're a totally different team and and not to say that they were a bad team last year but I feel like the changes in their coaching staff and then the changes in philosophy and in 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 the team has improved and I feel like this team is a team that might actually get to 500 I'll I'll give them five wins this season okay uh which five teams do you think they could possibly knock off I think their second game of their schedule against Douglas at home is going to be a big game for them I think that one they can come away with against team like Sierra Linda we talked about it with uh Connor last week where he wants his team to 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 come around and beat those teams like Sierra Linda and they'll, they'll get a chance teams like Benjamin Franklin they they actually Actually had a, a little bit of a reality check going up into the 4A division and then having to jump back down. So I think that that would be a perfect opportunity for the Warriors to, to, to change their past fortunes and just go from being the Warriors to being the Dubs and actually getting some wins this season. With your final two picks, I'm sure it's going to be an obvious ones, which is Chrisman and Tempe. Tempe. Yes. Okay. So for me, I think they're going to be a little bit lower. Okay. And uh, it's just due to uh, the strength of their schedule. I think, you know, Morency is going to always be tough. Yeah, that's tough. Douglas, don't be surprised. They're a 4A team. Normally, they struggle. But on the road, especially. Normally, yes. Definitely uh, on the road that uh, they do have their struggles. But they're coming in a little bit stronger. There's some improvements that they're making. And they got uh, some returning players. So I'm going to say that they might uh, beat ALA Ironwood in that game. Okay. Uh, Gilbert Christian's always a tough team every single year. Uh, you know, uh, depending on, even though they beat Coolidge last year, 
It's all going to be on how disciplined Coolidge plays in order to pick up that win. And I think they might even drop the game against Ben Franklin. And of course, I have them losing to Santan Foothills and Florence. So for me, I'm going to say lower than five wins and I'm going to go three. Three? Okay. So uh, that that's just my predictions. Like I said, it's not to say that, you know, I think bad of ALA Ironwood. I love that program. I'm really uh, excited for the new coaching regime out there. And, you know, I hope that they can definitely prove me wrong on this one because, you know, I want them to succeed, especially the type of season that they had last year. We felt that they were in every single one of their games. And it was true. You know, they lost them by the last possessions or a couple possessions here and there, and they could have easily been a six and four team. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be my prediction on LA Ironwood. But why don't you kick us off uh, with Santan Foothills? All right. Santan Foothills, as you mentioned earlier, comes into this season ranked 100 by Max Preps, and they start off their first three games of the season on the road. First one being at Dysart, and the second one being a Saturday game as they play at NAU against Tempe. Then their third game will be against Santan Charter, and then their fourth, fifth, and sixth game will all be home games against Florence, Apache Junction, and Pushridge. And that Pushridge game is going to actually be a Thursday game before they go into their bye. So they'll actually have a little bit more rest. And that's what I've been liking about uh, this uh, schedule that came out because, you know, we'll get into uh, what our future plans are for the upcoming season. But you got Thursday games. You got Saturday games. It's going to be very exciting where we're going to get to watch games on Thursday, Friday, and possibly Saturday. So it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of football to be watched. But Go, go right ahead. Didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. no. You're, you're totally fine. And then wrapping up the schedule will be at home against the Bears. Coolidge, of course. And then they hit the road against Crisman, a Thursday game again, another road game against ALA Ironwood, and then they wrap up their season playing Borgade Catholic at home. So looking at all these these schools that I, I laid out for you, what do you believe will be their end of schedule? Like, what do you predict? Because I know that you've actually done this with Chris on a different episode, uh-huh. but, but I want to get your insight based off of everything that you saw and all the knowledge that you've gained from now and then. Uh, I'm going to actually go and say that uh, the Sabercats will finish with six wins. Okay. Uh, those six wins will probably come against Dysart, Tempe, uh, Santan Charter, Crisman, ALA Ironwood, and Borgate Catholic. I could sit there and say that they could possibly pick up Another uh, couple wins, depending on how they play against Florence um, and Coolidge. But they could possibly even pick up a win against Pushridge. I know Pushridge is ranked 31 on here, but they are another team that is kind of in a rebuild, trying to uh, fill a lot of pieces that they lost this uh, offseason. So I'm not really sure what Pushridge is going to look like coming into this season. If they are in a transition year where, uh, you know, they might not be the Pushridge that we know of of the past years, Mm -hmm. it could be in the favor of the Sabercats. So I'm going to say at a low six, but the sky's the limit for uh, the Sabercats and Coach Carlin uh, out there in Santan Valley. Okay, well, why don't I shake it up a little bit? Because you know we got love for Santan Foothills, and I want to do something a little bit special with them. Instead, I'll go down and give you either a win or loss against, you know, from one all the way down to 10. Okay. Dysart, that's a dub. Tempe, that's another win. Santan Charter, I got faith in them. 
Give him another dub. Florence. Okay, bro. This is tough, okay? Because I know that they were waiting for this one. Okay, y'all, I love you guys, man. But the one thing that's going to be missing from this team is that 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 Energizer Bunny, that Bo Cotherman. That's one thing that I'm going to have to look at, you know, going back into to the, the season as it begins before it even progresses. I want to see who's going to be that heart, who's going to be the vital key player for the, the Sabercats that can will them to win. Because definitely Bo was that guy last year. They got returning players like David Robilov and, and Cohen Scott. Those are the guys I'm actually going to be looking at to see who of them is going to, to raise their voice and be that guy. Who's going to be the leader of the Sabercats? Until then, everything that Coach Hart has shown me from you know the past couple of years and then looking at the, the Florence Gopher Holes uh, Booster Club on IG and seeing how they, you know, progressed them, themselves this summer and seeing how they're doing in the seven on sevens, it's going to be a really tough game. On that one, I'm sorry, boys, but I got to give you an L. But prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. You've done it plenty of times before. Prove me wrong this time. Then you go to Apache Junction. This was, a, this was something that I was going to bring up to you earlier, but I didn't. You said that they had a better chance of picking up a win against Pushridge but I actually feel like they'll actually have a better chance of getting that win against Apache Junction. So I'll give that dub right here on Apache Junction. But then fast forward to that Thursday game because it is a Thursday game a little bit sooner. And we know that Push Ridge you know, has that, that pedigree in them to be a good team. I would say that Push Ridge is going to be an L. Go into the bye a little bit recharge. You go into Coolidge. This is another tough one. The way that Coolidge is played, and if they're able to keep all their offensive weapons together and keep you know a straight head and keep the goal focused of being a winning team and get into the playoffs, this is going to be another tough one. I would say that it's going to be a tough one, but it's going to be a tough one that they'll be able to pull out. Okay. I'll give the dub to Santan Foothills. Crisman, Crisman is a dark horse in this one because we've actually had zero experience with them except for the, the few players that they have on their team that hit us up and and thank you to those rattlers to keeping us posted on what's going down at Crisman. But it's gonna be a game where I actually see them getting another win too. Okay. So Wrapping up the season against ALA Ironwood on the road for their final road game, I think that that's going to be a win for them as well. Borgade Catholic at home, another win. So they have a chance to be a team with, in my opinion, three games over 500. And I, I think that Santan, especially that the way that Coach Carlin is able to to rally those boys around the just the thought of teamwork and, and then just playing for each other. I think that San San Foothills is going to be a really good team this season. Interesting breakdown of a month, but we'll, we'll see. You know, I, I definitely could uh, see that as well. It's just all going to depend on, you know, some of those key games that we mentioned. Uh, you know, the Florence, the Coolidge, Pushridge, uh, Apache Junction. And then don't sleep on those uh, Warriors, too, because ALA always brings it. But let's move on into the Florence Gophers. Uh, As we mentioned, they're ranked 96th. They'll be technically at home for the first three games, except one of them is going to be out at NAU. But they'll open up at home against Gilbert Christian, then travel to NAU to take on Valley Christian at home against Safford. Then they're at Santan Foothills and at Rio Rico. Then back-to-back home games against Coolidge and Borgade Catholic. They're at Ben Franklin and at Crisman. And then they'll wrap up the season at home against ALA Ironwood. We know uh, that you got the two the two corner pieces at quarterback and running back coming back in Logan Stenson and Josh Jackson. But they did lose, I want to say, roughly 20 to 28 kids. Mm-hmm. This uh, past offseason, majority of it coming from their line. With all those pieces, 
but bringing back your two most important positions, how do you see uh, Florence uh, panning out this year? I see Florence actually being in the same talks as Santan Foothills, a team that's going to be well over 500. And if you look at their schedule, it's a lot tougher than the schedule that they played last season. So saying that, I think Florence has an opportunity to maybe come away with seven or eight wins just like Santan. What about you? No, I definitely uh, would agree with that one. That's kind of where I had him. I had him at seven and three, uh, picking up wins against Gilbert Christian, Safford. I have them beating Santan Foothills. And then I have them uh, knocking off for a uh, Rio Rico, okay. uh, but picking up a game against uh, Borgate Catholic, Crisman, and ALA Ironwood. And that's seven wins right there. The toughest ones that are probably going to be is going to be that Ben Franklin game, uh, the Coolidge game the Valley Christian game, and then we'll see uh, where that Santan Foothills game kind of goes, you know, because uh, they they always bring fireworks. We know how the ending of last year's uh, game went. It's a it, movie, bro. Yeah, it definitely is a movie, and, you know, we, we I'm so glad we were able to be a part of it. Unfortunately, uh, Florence came out on the losing end there, but I really think that uh, Coach Hart and uh, his staff, um, they're going to get those uh, players who are ready to make that next jump and be starters uh, for the Gophers. They're going to get them uh, ready to go and it's just always about the depth of Florence they have so much depth on that team not only on varsity but on their uh, freshman team as well so I know that that's going to make a big impact especially later on in the season you know uh, depending on how injuries and stuff like that go so very excited to see what uh, Florence does uh, seven and three is where I got them but let's uh, wrap up the 3a central and dive into the Coolidge Bears so the Coolidge Bears uh, sit at 130 They're going to be opening up their first game against Sabino. Then they have a Thursday matchup at Ben Franklin. Back home against Santa Cruz Valley. And then they'll take on uh, Combs at Combs. Then at home against ALA Ironwood. And then three straight road games against Florence, La Jolla Community, Santan Foothills. And then back at home against Push Ridge before they wrap up their season against Crisman. So Coolidge is a team. Got majority of their players coming back on defense. Got majority of their offense coming back outside of a crucial position, which is the quarterback position. That's going to be the big question mark for Coolidge. With that being said, does Coolidge have enough to finally have a winning season coming into this year? I don't know. It's it's not a matter of their talent because they have their talent. And and like you said, they, they have a lot of their offense and defense coming back. But one thing that I'm not necessarily worried about on their offense, but I'm definitely keeping my eye on is the transition of Gavin Gunter going from wide receiver to quarterback. Last season, we got a good look at Ethan Ramirez as he started off the season for the Bears and is actually responsible for a lot of the Bears wins in those first five games because after that, he handed off the ball to Gianni and Gianni had, I hate to say it, a a shaky, you know, start or a shaky season with Coolidge last year. And ultimately, he's reclassified and moved on to a different team. And we'd like to wish Gianni well well on his future endeavors but I putting that focus back on Gavin looking at how he performed at the seven on seven there was a couple of things that you and I both noticed about his throwing form and and just his comfortability out there I think you know as the season goes on we'll actually see that transform and I'm not sure who's a quarterback coach for Coolidge but but maybe there is a a way for him to make that adjustment and, and be calm back there I feel like he's definitely got the line in front of him to protect him it's it's 
all a matter of his mindset as he goes into the game as a different position as that leaders but the way that he was able to connect with Ethan Ramirez last year I think that he'll be able to get some mentorship from Ethan and possibly carry that into this season all right so where do you uh have uh Coolidge how many wins on the year I say that they have six wins this year Okay, uh, what would be some of the no-doubters you think that they can pick up? Some of the no-doubters will be against La Jolla Community. Uh, ALA Ironwood, hate to say it, but I feel like to me that's a no-doubter. Their game against Crisman, I think that one is a must-win. It's your last game of the season. It's a team that's new to your region, new to, to AIA play. Get them. You have to get them. Um, the the games that are going to be the toughest are are, are going to be you know right off the bat week one they're they're playing against the Berry Hill Boys and Sabino at home but we know how well Sabino can travel so that could be a big that could be a big question mark already for Coolidge in the beginning of the season starting off their season with a team so tough like Sabino they I mean granted they did it last year and this year they don't have all the question marks of who's going to be our quarterback who's going to do this and that they kind of have that all ironed out. It's just a matter of them getting their offense together and making sure that on defense, they can withstand any offensive attack that's thrown at them. Because if you look at the other four teams in this region, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to either try to run it down your throat or throw it right over your head. So six wins on the year. And for me, I actually had Coolidge at possibly five wins. The only reason being is the game against Sabino. How are they going to play against Benjamin Franklin? You got that tough game against Combs, who might be, they might not be the team that we saw last year. Another team that lost a lot of players. Then you have that game against Florence, Santan, Foothills, and Pushridge. That's six games right there that you got to sit there and say it could go either way. There's not really, maybe the Sabino game, I would give more of an edge to Sabino, but the other five, it could go either way, depending on what type of team comes out to play for Coolidge that week. You know, Coolidge definitely has to come into this year with all the returning pieces they have is play disciplined football. That's one thing that I think cost them a lot of wins last year. And then I think another thing would be they're going to have to rely a lot on their, their defense and their run game. You know, having an inexperienced quarterback, somebody that's coming in and playing the position at the varsity level for the very first time is going to be a lot to take in, especially early on. But I'm going to say on the low end, Coolidge can finish with five wins, but possibly up in the seven. But being that we wrapped up our four teams here in the 3A Central, after looking at it all, who are you going to give the edge to to take home the 3A Central Championship? Uh, I'd have to... I'd have to say that this year's 3A champions are probably going to be the Florence Gophers. Okay, that was the team I, I was going to have uh, the edge for as well. I would say, uh, you know, it's definitely anybody's game in this region. You know, it there's no East Mark. There's, there's no team. Say, so much better without East Mark. Yeah, you know, there's no set team that you can sit there and say, without a doubt, they're going to take home the 3A Central Championship right here still in the summer uh, before we even kick off the season. And that's why I'm really going to love watching this 3A Central because literally it's just our predictions. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that this is the way it's going to pan out. You know, I'm hoping that we're going down to the very last week and there's all five teams battling it out for this uh, 3A Central Championship and that automatic bid 
to the playoffs. So it's going to be a very fun one, you know, but uh, let's leave uh, these schedules right here. Uh, We're going to be coming back on our next episode for part two, where we're going to be covering our 4A and 5A teams. It's going to be some good ones there uh, as those regions are just as tough. So definitely looking forward to that. But before we wrap up the episode, you got anything to uh, fill in before we head out? Uh, Yeah. Well, before we even get into the next episode, let's talk about our scheduling because these next couple weeks are going to be crazy and let's give them a little bit of insight because as we know with it being the middle of june almost or not even the middle of june we're ending june coming into july it's monsoon season we got to expect rain but you yourself have got to expect some extra rain because you are going to hit the road. Why don't you give us a little bit of insight on, on what I'm talking about? Yeah. So next week will be uh, my last week here on the show just for a little bit um, as I'm going to be heading out uh, to Seattle to work the MLB All-Star game with uh, Fox Sports. So I'm really excited for the opportunity. Uh, it'll be my first uh, All-Star game I've ever attended. So definitely looking forward to that. Uh, so you're going to kind of take uh, the reins uh, while I'm gone. And you definitely have uh, some special guests uh coming down the road but before you're able to get them on the show you have an event yourself that you're going to be attending and that's going to be uh the friday night lights uh youth football camp can you tell us a little bit about that yeah that's something that coach chico of kdp athletics has actually put together and he's got a long list of talent from just around the county and all over the state and even people that have played at the upper echelon level of D1 and they're actually coming down to teach the kids between 7 and 13 the fundamentals of football and then in between that you know that training and and all that they're going to be having different competitions seven on seven and and showing these kids what it's like and what's necessary to play at the next level and and he's got some great sponsors there's alkaline activated also raising canes so i can't wait to get out to casa grand on july 7th at car mcnatt park if you if you're listening to this now and you got a kid in that age range and you want to make sure that they have every advantage in their their skill set this is something that you definitely want to do you can register at fnlcamp.com and there's two different choices you can choose to to opt into the general admission and the general admission would be $50 or you could do the VIP it comes with a plethora of different things that will be available at the camp that will be included in that price but then also if you're listening to this you want to take down these codes FNL15 and VIP30 FNL15 will take $15 off of the purchase of general admission or you can do VIP 30 and take off $30 off of your VIP entrance so definitely something that I'm looking forward to there's a lot of players that are coming back from the undefeated Casa Grande championship football team that I'm looking forward to sitting down and having uh, an interview with that's something that's coming down the road uh, another thing is I uh I'm hoping to get uh, in touch with Bell Bambo before you actually take off so all three of us can get together and have an mm-hmm. episode. And and then another episode that I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep this one, you know, in, you know, in my back pocket. I'm not going to mention it now, but it, it's definitely something big for us because we've never had anything like this happen for us on an episode. And it's going to be a big opportunity for us to not necessarily just put our stuff on the map, but get insights from another person as well. Well, definitely a lot to uh, look forward to here in the coming weeks. But let's leave this episode right here. We'll be back uh, next week to do uh, part two of our schedule reveal, kind of make some predictions and get another week closer uh, to kickoff. Uh, You know, kickoff is August 18th. It'll be here before you know it. So uh, thank you all for joining us today and we'll see you guys next week. Take it easy.